Um, hey, it is so good to be with you today, and, and how good it is to just sing to the Lord, right? I was over there just just wailing, and I realized I better save my voice. i got to preach this thing. So, um, uh, wow, yeah, we've talked about those who uh, have gone through so much on the Gulf, Gulf Coast, and maybe you uh, know some people down there. We'll continue to pray and continue to see how we can serve them, and we'll let you know how you can get involved if you'd like. So, uh Big storm, and it's you know it's still kind of circulating. It'll it'll dissipate, right? It'll go away um, over time, and they'll rebuild over time. Uh, though it'll be a long journey for a lot of folks. There's another storm that's brewing in our country. I think you sense it in our world. You feel it. You feeling the tension, kind of the the, the torrents of nonstop fragmentation and division in our culture. This floods of divisive talk uh, leading to, to anger, even, even hatred. We're seeing, uh, gosh, billows of, of debate and, and challenge on every side, it seems. And, and if you watch the news, this stuff will make you crazy, Right? And you know this. You need to be reminded. News exists to gain viewers. You know this, right? Don't miss this. See, news exists, which is why they put the craziest, most extreme people on there. Then they have point counterpoint, right? They have they have this person up against this person. Now let's see him go at it. Let's watch this, and it's intriguing. We we can't get enough, or or have we had enough? And then how do you though live in this? How do you step into this space? It's what Francis Schaeffer asked uh, a, uh, a generation ago. How shall we then live? And he was talking about the collapse of, of, of the global West, of really Christian culture as we know it. Do you feel it? Do you sense it? There's a storm that's brewing, and the forecast is such that in our cultural moment, it doesn't look like it's, it's getting better. Looks like it's getting worse. And if you don't know exactly what you're feeling, let me tell you, let me help you out. If you're a believer, if you follow Jesus, if you've given your life to Him, listen, you have a new identity found in Him. It's not found in what you have, what you've done, how religious you are. It's not found in the color of your skin. It's not found in your heritage. It's found in Christ and the fact that you are now fully forgiven in Him, totally accepted by Him, completely loved, completely forgiven. That's who you are. You are now a citizen of heaven, and yet here we are as residents on earth. You know what you're feeling? We are exiles. That's who we are. We're living in exile. So the question that we've been asking in these days is how, how do you do this? You know, a lot of us are feeling it where you, you may feel like you're in exile, you know, spiritually, like Gosh, I feel like I'm kind of all alone. You go to you go to your workplace and you're like, man, this is a weird place to be. I'm just, I feel like I'm the only, I'm the odd man out. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, praise be to God. If you're a parent and you feel like, man, my kids, I feel like I'm, no, they'll tell you, right? We're the only parents that are seeking to put boundaries around our children. We, I mean, we're different. We're odd. I want to encourage you today. Some of you feel like you're in exile politically. Some of you feel like you're 
uh, in exile. How about this? Can I say it? The risk of stepping across some lines here. Some of us white folks feel like we're a bit in exile as our culture becomes more and more diverse. I was at the uh, GPS the other day uh, getting my driver's license updated. And I was sitting there. By the way, you've heard it said that we're all equal at the foot of the cross, right? We're all equal at the DPS. We are lost, waiting, and in need of rescue. Every one of us. And I was there, and I was clearly in the minority. I mean, by a long shot. And, and I, I thought, this is America. And see, some people, though, and, and can I just say it, some, some white folks are kind of, what's happening? I, I would say, welcome to the reality that has been every ethnicity that lives here in America. Every minority. Welcome. And some of us, I, I'm just being honest, some of us are wondering, how, how do we live? How do we live in this? How shall we then live? And we've said that, you know, right at the primal base, the foundational piece of this is Colossians 3.17. In fact, you can see it on the screen there. I want us to say it together. This has been our driving verse throughout this series of messages. It says this, let's say it. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Friends, listen, we're being transformed by the Spirit of God. We live differently. And if you want to know what it is to live as exiles, I want you to turn to Jeremiah 29. Okay, we're going to get back to Colossians here in a moment. I'm going to have you jump around a little Bible drill today. So I hope you brought your Bible, um, and we'll see who can get there fastest. I have prizes for those who get there quickest. Jeremiah 29, 11, go. Um, and then we're going to end up in James 3. So if you want to cheat, you can get ahead on that deal. We're going to end up there before we... Actually, we're going to land in Colossians, then go there. So a couple of passages of Scripture. I want you to see what Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. How do we live in exiles in a foreign land? And again, by the way, I'm not just... I'm talking about all of us who are believers across racial, ethnic lines, generational lines. Um, how do we live? Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7 gives us some insight. And then we're going to look at specifically the instruction that Paul gives us in the New Testament. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. I'm in the ESV language here, version. To all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat produce, eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage and they that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I, notice, I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. You bless the city and you'll be blessed. Bless, give, and be a part of all that's happening and it will bless your life. I've called you to live there. Listen, many of us want to hearken back to the good old days, whatever those were for you. 
God is not calling us to hearken back to the good old days. He's called us to live in this moment. It's by His design that you were born and are still alive in this generation. Not one formally, but this one. And I'm talking about all of us who are alive. And so instead of hearkening back, we need to think, how do we live in this cultural moment, in this time? That's what He wants for us. I've often said, I don't want to be a pastor who's an expert in how to do church in the 1970s. I want to be an expert in how to do church in the, the, the 2017 and beyond. That should be all of us. How do we live in this cultural moment? How do we make a difference? To be wise and to be gracious. I want you to notice in Jeremiah 29, in fact, early on in verses 1 and 2, he says, hey, take a leadership role. Don't let society, don't wait for society to speak into what it needs. You speak into what it needs. You have a different view on things. He's saying, see, here's what happened. The leaders of, of Jerusalem, the leaders of Israel, they were the first to be pulled out. And now God is calling up a next generation of leaders to step up and to lead. Don't wait. Now's the time, particularly for you young leaders and those of us who've been at it for a while. Stay in the game, raising up other young leaders. He says here, work with the government. That's essentially what he's saying in verse verse 3, just prior to that. Work with those. In fact, even those who are antagonistic to faith, as Nebuchadnezzar was, if you know anything about this context. They're still servants of God. The Scriptures tell us, listen, submit to the authorities. Work with them. Invest in the city physically, is what he says. Let's build up our neighborhoods in every way. Let's not alienate ourselves from community. Let's dive in. How are you doing that at, at your workplace, in your community, in your neighborhood? Invest in, this, in the physical needs. A- address the city's needs, the, the physical needs of, of people. And this includes spiritual nourishment as well. He says that we're to grow produce, contribute to the economy, to be a part of that. And this is the church we are. If you're new here, you don't know, maybe, that we serve across our city. I think of what we do at Cornerstone Church in South Dallas. Feeding the homeless kitchen that we have been a part of. They're built there for hundreds, even thousands of people in need. We serve in West Dallas. We serve in the Vickery area for folks who are in need. Immigrants, some refugees who we serve and help. We, We look to mentor kids at Jacklow Elementary. Uh, you know, Protestants have always uh, fought for literacy. Uh, it's always been a ministry. You know why? So everybody can read the Bible. That's why, primarily. And so we teach kids how to read, and we know that that's, that's how you make it in this world. And so we, we seek to make a difference, and, and we seek to meet the needs in our neighborhood right here. In fact, you noted that this Wednesday night, uh, we have all kinds of programs that are beginning that meet needs. We have needs-based kind of care and recovery ministries for needs right here in our our neighborhood. We seek to help you partner ra- to raise your kids through a water, learning scripture, learning how to think biblically, and through children's choirs and other activities, marriage core, to help you grow in your marriage, and to help 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 us across the board. You need to be a part of these ministries, making disciples in your family. This is what it would probably say to the New Testament church today. Go live in that place and make disciples among your kids. Make sure they're raised up in the Lord right where I placed you. Then he says, pray for the city. city needs God. The city needs the church. The city needs the gospel. 
more than anything. So here we are. We find ourselves in exile. What does this look like on a daily basis? This is the question we're asking in these days. And here's what I want to say today. The, The primary central message I'm trying to get to here is this. Guided by wisdom and giving grace to all, we will serve our community as we follow Jesus every day. So I want you to turn to Colossians 4 now, from the uh, Old Testament with a general sense of what it is, what it looks like to live in exile. Now I want us to get into some specifics as to what it means for you. And I have what I think is a very relevant message for our time and our day right now. Colossians chapter 4. Go ahead and turn there, and we're going to start at verse 2. Colossians 4. We've been looking at the latter part of uh, Colossians 3, we talked about following Jesus every day, everyday Jesus in our homes. We looked at work and school. Last week, we looked at what it is to be engaged in, in the community of the church, uh, to make church and our gatherings a priority in your life. We're going to talk more about that in the days to come. It's critical for your life as a believer. And today, we're going to close our series by really talking about everyday Jesus in community, out among outsiders. You know this, do you not? That it is true, there are those who are insiders and those who are outsiders. Now, if you're a guest and you're, you're, you're thinking, well, is this like a secret club? You know, what is this? Listen, the Bible's very clear. There are those who've received Christ as, as their Lord and Savior. They've understood that He's died on the cross for their sin, and that's a personal decision you make. The church can't do it for you. Mama, your daddy can't do it for you. You decide on your own. And when you do, you enter into the family of God. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. But there are those who have not. There are outsiders and there are insiders. And insiders are seeking to reach out to outsiders with the love of Christ to bring them into the fold. It's what Christ has called us to. So look at what it says in Colossians chapter 4, beginning with verse 2. These are the verses we covered last week. Continue steadfastly in prayer. We said that this is be passionately devoted to prayer. Being watchful in it. With thanksgiving. So the first two things I want you to see here is this. Be, listen, be prayerful and be thankful. Always be thankful. At the same time, pray for us also. Pray also for us. Paul is saying, hey, I, I'm out sharing the gospel. This is why I'm in prison, he's going to say. But we want, we want the gospel to advance. Pray about that. That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. That is the gospel. On account of which I am in prison. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Then look at verse 5. Verse 5 and 6 will be our focus here. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So as he talks about advancing the gospel, he's speaking now to believers and he's saying, hey, listen, be very intentional about how you speak. Be wise and be gracious, is what he says. And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to continue to think about these verses and really unpack them. I love what the message says. It says this, use your heads as you live and work among outsiders. Hey, hey, come on, be smart. Don't miss a trick. Don't miss an opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in conversation, not put them down, not cut them out. This instruction is so relevant for our day because as believers, we step into not only the public you know, square of ideas and conversation, but in everyday conversation with people. And it starts in your home, by the way, parents, 
or married people, uh, single people. The way you talk with, with a roommate or people that you know, or even in your family, immediate family, even if it's by telephone or, or whether you see them or not, it starts in the home. And with young children in the home, they watch mom and dad and how they speak to one another. I know when Stacy and I were raising our little ones um, back in the day, we, we had certain words that were off limits. We did not say in our house. And you call your kids out on it. There would be no unkind word spoken in the home. No, no, no. That is not said in this place. And you teach your kids how to speak only words that are encouraging. encouraging. I remember my dad when I was growing up. You've heard it. He said, if you don't have anything nice to say, what? Don't say anything at all. How about that? What if we all lived that way? What if you lived that way in, in, in your workplace with people that you know? With friends, in the family. What if you spoke that way in the church? So let's talk about it. Everyday Jesus. Very practical message here. Be prayerful. I've got four points here. Be thankful. We already talked about those two. Keep in with us. And then the next two. I want to talk about what it is to be wise. And then finally to be graceful. There are two commands here in verses 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Okay, so be wise and then have your word seasoned with salt, as it were, with grace. We'll talk about that. There's other other spheres in Scripture um, where the disciples are called to walk. And that is to live in a manner like this. We see walk in good deeds in Ephesians 2. Walk in eternal life. Think about that. Always thinking this is not your home and you're already bound for for heaven in, in Romans 6, 4. Walk in love. Always. They're going to know that you are a follower of Jesus by the way you love. That's it. And then, and then walk in truth, 2 John 4. Walk in Christ. Remember who you are in Him as you walk, as you live, Colossians 2, 6. You can see how this is a very intentional thing. This is why Paul says, stop, stop. Be mindful. Be, be wise. Think about it. Before you speak, Whatever you do, whatever you say, Ephesians 5, 15 and 17, you can see it there. Look carefully. This is almost exactly what he's saying in Colossians 4. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of your time because the days are evil. There's this another a sense of urgency. Just as it says up on our clock tower, night cometh. There's a night. Night is coming. And you won't be able to do the works of Christ anymore. Life is short. There's an opportunity making the best use of your time. That word time is kairos. It's where we would say, you know, make the most of time. It's not chronos. It's not chronological time. It's a time in a moment in time, a value of time. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I love what Calvin, John Calvin said. He, of course, lived in the 1500s. Amidst so great a corruption as prevails in the world, his world, we must seize opportunities of doing good. And we must struggle against impediments. That is, up against walls, roadblocks. We've got to struggle up against those. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. This verse was very important in our home. Still is. But as our children were growing up, parents, mark that one. Mark that one. Uh, if you're married in particular, mark that one. It says no corrupting talk, not, not a word. This is how you live so that 
Every word, every deed is done in the name of Jesus. Out of His character, His life in you. But only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Give grace to those who hear. Perhaps the best place to see this is in the book of James. So let's do that. Turn to James chapter 3. Uh, I want you to turn there. James chapter 3, 13 through 17. I want to challenge you, encourage you to bring your Bible. Uh, if you're in a, certainly in a connect group, I know you need your Bible, so bring it. I know often we put Scripture on the screen. We do that for everybody, but uh, not going to do that here. So I hope you'll bring your Bible. James compares earthly wisdom with godly wisdom here. And this is a powerful passage. We thought it'd be a good thing to pause for a moment and to look at this and to kind of kind of make a really an assessment, you know, personally to see how you're doing. So I want you to always listening in terms of application. I want the spirit to speak in your life, your heart, your family. Is this true of you? So look at James chapter three, beginning with verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? He's kind of saying, you want to know? Let me tell you, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So in humility of wisdom. But if you have uh, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual. Look at this, demonic. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Anybody seeing that in our day? Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Jesus says that those who are part of his kingdom will be peacemakers. How can it be? Let's talk about it. And you do a spiritual kind of assessment before the Lord here. Godly wisdom is marked by, look, first, you can follow along here, good conduct. This is your new self in light of the gospel. This is who you are. You live differently now. People see it. It's marked by humility. If your wisdom leads you to power up on others or look down on others to always get your way in the end, oh, but kindly, but get your way, be divisive without serving others. That's not godly wisdom. It's marked by purity. It's to be pure, he says. First, pure. This means holy. Gang, listen, this means set apart. We're to live in society, to be wise about how we live in, but not of, of the world, right? This takes wisdom and discernment. It takes biblical wisdom. We don't, can I say it? We don't watch the same movies that lost people watch. We don't. We don't watch the same television shows. Or, or do we? We don't entertain ourselves in the same way that people who don't know Christ entertain themselves because we don't need certain things to be put in our minds. We're standing around the water cooler, the office or wherever else. We're ignorant when it comes to Game of Thrones because we don't watch that stuff. Because there's a filter that we say, we're not going to put that in our minds. We live differently. We think differently. 
And over time, we're, we're not, we're not weird or, or, or prudish as much as we are pure and holy. Those are different things. And over time, people who know us, they go, he, he entertains himself differently than I do. He's kind of different. And they come to understand a bit more and they, they wonder. Now, some of us, we want to say, you know, I'm just going to let my, let my actions, you know, really point them to Jesus. And, and yes, start there. Your good conduct, as he says here. But to say that I'm just letting my good, you know, good acts and what I watch or don't watch or what I do or not do and how I'm different, let that point them to Jesus. That's kind of like pointing out that somebody's house is on fire by showing him that your house is not on fire. You need to be clear. You need to be explicit. You need to share the gospel. You need to talk about why. That's why he's saying, hey, be ready so you can give an answer. Be wise. And he's going to tell us how we speak into that. Purity. Seek purity of mind and heart. Peace, he says. God's wisdom shouldn't lead us to shouting matches when we disagree with people, but the peace. There's a difference between righteous indignation and just being a jerk. You see a lot of jerks, right? And, and what's weird is that that's what happens in the news too. Let's get, let's get that Christian to speak into this deal. And the rest of us kind of cringe, right? Because it's not always with grace. It's not, it's not witty and winsome and salty language, as we'll talk about here in a sec. So gentleness is another one. This means not insisting on every single you know, right that you may have. Just because it's a right, you don't demand it. Be flexible, and let your heart break for those who are broken. Be gentle. We need more gentleness in the world, don't we? Would that describe you? Are you gentle and kind? Jesus was. Open to reason. Gang, listen, this one is, you know, Christians are not known for this. We're most often known uh, to be closed-minded. But listen to people. Hear them out. Open to reason. Be full of mercy and good fruits. Wisdom should lead you to display more of the fruit of the Spirit. Be kind and gentle, patient, loving. And then it says impartial and sincere. This means you don't lead off uh, with judgment towards others. You listen first. Then you know how to speak, right? You, you don't think that God should just like everybody you like and hate everybody you hate. I've said it before, you know you've created God in your image when He hates the same people you hate. That's not God guiding you. You have become God. And so in summary, he's saying, if you're going to have godly wisdom, to sum it up, godly wisdom should lead you to be holy and humble. So he says, be wise. And then finally he says, be graceful. Back to Colossians now. Full of grace. Filled up with unmerited unconditional, preemptive love. Gang, this is radical stuff when it's lived out in, in our relationships. I love, there's a new uh, Hillsong song. I think it's called Greatest of These. And it goes this, here's the lyrics. It goes like this. So I won't waste my breath if it's not for love. I don't have the heart if it's not for love. Don't let me say it's faith if it, Counts no cost. Because there's no fear in love, but there is a cross. There's a dying to self. And this starts with my words, publicly and privately. And it also starts when 
we start to triangulate. You know when we do this the most is, is when we gossip. I want you to pause for a moment. Think about yourself. It's when we gossip. It's when you talk about someone who's not present. I want you to think before you text, before you email, before you talk about someone, consider if they were, if they were right there seeing, hearing everything that you were saying. Comes into play. We don't live that way as believers. I love Calvin noted, John Calvin noted that Paul reckons as tasteless everything that does not edify. Notice this salty speech. Our speech should be wise, warm, winsome, and witty, is what J.I. Packer said. Our speech, like salt, it brings taste, it preserves, right? He says this, it's, it's winsome. It's not boring, but interesting, even fascinating, the way we talk. We should be different in conversations. I want you to think about that this week. How are you doing there? So, let's be prayerful. All right, let's be thankful. Let's be wise. And let's be graceful. Let's be full of grace. Then we'll know, guided by wisdom, and given grace to all, we will serve our community and our world as we follow Jesus every day. We want to close our time before we go. A high and holy moment in the life of the church. We talked about this last week. I hope that you'll tarry, pause, and consider what Christ has done for you. We're going to share in the Lord's Supper, in communion together. And we're going to be reminded of what He's done for us. The motivation of it all is found in what Christ has done for us on the cross. We're to live like He has lived. How He's given to us. He gives us the power. To live this way. So use this time as a time of repentance and prayer. Be focused, be intentional as you reflect on what Christ has done for you. So let's pray together and we're going to lead into the elements here. God, I ask that you would use this time before we head off into another week that we would pause at every word we say in the presence of others and when they're absent. Every thought that we have, every deed, everything we do, every action would be done in the name of Jesus, according to the gospel and all that you have done for us. May we live like you so that others would see our good works, hear our good words, and glorify our Father who is in heaven. We know people are watching. Lord, may we May we turn our hearts to you. May we repent of our sins. May we say no to the things of this world and be different, be holy, be kind and loving. I pray, God, that you would allow us to be that kind of a church, a church that can hold its own in any social setting. Step into that space and be light. Lord, we thank you for your death on the cross taking the punishment of our sin. We praise you. We pause to remember. In Jesus' name, amen. Our ushers are going to come now um, and they're going to serve us here. You're going to take, uh, you're going to take uh, first the bread representing the body of Christ. Hold it and pray. Consider it. It's body broken for you. And then I'll guide us to take together. Then we'll pass the juice and take that. Uh, representing his blood, we'll take that together as well. So use this time to worship him. And I'll guide us here in a moment.